Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Aaron Frost. Hello. John Papa. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Juan Herrera. Hello, everyone. Now, I probably said that wrong because you don't say the H in Spanish, right? Yes, we don't say it. So the actual way will be Juan Herrera. Herrera. Uh, I, I I lived in Italy for two years, and I still never quite mastered rolling my R's. So you know, in some places in the UK and England, they don't say the H either, like "hello." So maybe <laughs> distant cousins. You'll never know. There you go. They, they call it H when they do say it too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, Aaron, you were in London recently, weren't you? That that's right. <laughs> John was John was with me. We were over there at. Uh, and then you connect. Yeah, I love London. It's one of my favorite cities to visit. One of my picks is going to come out of that trip. So, yeah. Yeah, I would I would dearly love to go to Angular Connect. It just seems like every year there's some reason why I can't quite make it. So This was my first year. Angular Connect was, uh, I'd never been to it, and I experienced it in all its glory. It was fantastic. Yeah. Nice. So it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. Well, we, we've got Juan here, and Juan, you organize some communities down in Colombia, if I am correct, and we were discussing communities before the show. Do you want to just talk about how you think of communities, just kind of give us some flavor here, and then we can dive in and, and discuss you know, how to think about communities, local and global? Sure. It's been probably one year and a half. I've been running Angular Medellin. In, which is like uh, one of the greatest Angular communities in Colombia. And to be honest, it was inspired by ng-conf. One year and a half, like two years ago, I, I went to ng-conf. And then I met a lot of community organizers over there. And they, especially Bonnie, she invited me and insisted in me organizing like a community here in Medellin. We did it. It was very interesting at first. And what happened is that people got very into it. First, we have like 80 attendees, which was pretty cool. But then after that, we had like, like around 100 per media. So every month, we had like 100 people coming over just listening about things related to Angular or NGRX or RxJS, just the stuff related. They, they seem to like it a lot. So yeah, that, that's probably the main thing I've been doing here in Colombia. But the second one is that after we had that kind of potential, we decided to organize NG Colombia, which is like the first and probably the greatest Angular conference in the whole Latin America. It was a success. We already had run two editions. Last edition was like was like two months ago. So it was pretty cool. People really liked it. I, I, I bet Aaron wanted to come, really, right? Yeah, I didn't get to make it, but I really, really wanted to. Dude, next year, 
I'll be there, I promise. And I'll give my talk in Spanish. It's going to be epic. Nice, nice. You said it. So uh, I, think, I think we should start a hashtag. Hashtag Bonnie made me do it. I think a lot of people... <laughs> I think a lot of people would probably agree that Bonnie encouraged them to do something awesome in the community. So if you're listening... And Bonnie encouraged you, tweet at Bonnie, and then hashtag Bonnie made me do it. Let's, uh, totally. you, you say encouraged like you had a choice when she was done encouraging you. Yeah, yeah. No, Bonnie's not mafiosa type. She she just like, is, she's like thoroughly excited when you meet her. I mean, yeah. and everyone who knows when I said that, they're like, oh yeah, that's Bonnie. I bet she helps so many people network like in ways they wouldn't if she wasn't there. She she creates so much organic friendships around her. It's really really pretty awesome. And and I know I've what Juan just said about her inspiring him. I've heard that more than I could count on a hand times of her inspiring people to go like, go do something awesome. So she's great. Yeah, my my point is mostly that she's so enthusiastic about a lot of this stuff that you feel bad telling her no. <laughs> yeah. That's my problem. And so I'm like Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When I was at Endicom, I, I remember asking, like, like to the general audience, like, okay, if I want to run a meetup, like, how do I start? I don't even know how to do it. And then Bonnie come to me and says, like, all you need to do is go to meetup.com and start the meetup. And I, I'm going to require you to do it, like, to do it right away, like this week or the other. But don't wait too long. Just start doing it. And it will be super great. And she was right. So yes. Yeah, she she's pretty cool. I uh, I'm happy that she's part of the Angular community, which is kind of what we're talking about today, right? Community, creating communities, and um, we're kind of focusing on Medellin, the Medellin area, because it sounds like you guys are, from what I can tell, it sounds like the Colombia area, the Bolivian area is kind of on fire right now with it with Angular. It is. It is. So. I believe the conferences have a, an important role in, in making people enthusiastic about it. Luis Aviles from, from Bolivia is also doing a lot of community effort. So he organized NG Bolivia like, I don't know, a few months ago, and it was also a very great success. So interestingly, conference might have an, an important impact on the community, not just running the meetups, but maybe running one big event a year can have a tremendous impact in, the, in those. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious. I mean, getting into this and talking a little bit about community, one thing I find is that a lot of the communities around the world, Aaron brought up uh, the Medellin, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. In some ways, they're very similar to other meetups or other communities in other areas. And in a lot of ways, they kind of incorporate some form of their own way of doing things. And I'm curious, as you've, you know, you mentioned you've been to NGConf and you've you know, you've gone to some of the other conferences and events. How do you find that your particular area is different from other areas in the way that it approaches programming and Angular? Very interesting question. So to be honest, one of the first things I also tried to do when I when we started this community is that I, I tried to look up to other meetups already settled in the city. So we have another community called Medigene.js, which is related to all things JavaScript. Um, and it, it, they seem to do it like in a very, how to say it, like very general way, just a meetup every month uh, with two or three speakers. And maybe they run a workshop like every month or every two months. At first, we tried to 
mimic the same the same way, try to do it in the same way, follow the same pattern, and it worked. Nonetheless, we tried to make emphasis on how to approach people in a different way, on how to make them feel comfortable at all times. Because interestingly enough, after probably two years already, we realized that our people, the members of our community, they are not as proficient in Angular as we thought they were. So most of the talks at the beginning, they were very complex. They were very advanced. And some people, of course, they said, wow, this this is a great talk. Thanks for giving it. But then probably 60% or 70% of the audience were like baffled. They didn't know what just happened. And, and, And that was curious to us because we have a whole different perception. So the way we try to approach communities today is by first addressing and understanding our community members better. So we run a few surveys and we try to figure out what's their knowledge um, status, how if they're working or not, if they're in, enrolling in some course or anything, if they've done Angular professionally, professionally or not. And then based on that, we try to get the right content, the right initiatives, the right efforts towards that. And what, what did you find? I mean, what, what kind of a mix do you have down there? So today, after conducting those surveys, we know that majority, like 70% of our members are full-stack developers, for example. I, I would never expect that, but it turns out to be that way. We have Today, we have 1,800 members. And we also realized that only 10% of them are do not have a job. So only 10% of them are looking for a job. So... That also tells us that maybe bringing a sponsor to, you know, to offer some job postings to, to our meetup is not very valuable to, to our members. Most of them said that they are actually craving more knowledge. They're interested in learning. That's the thing they're more, most interested about. And clearly, we're trying to move toward that goal. We're trying to move toward more, more workshops, hands-on experience things that actually give them value and keep them engaged. So you decided, hey, let's create a community. Sometimes I think you people intentionally create communities. Sometimes they do accidentally. When Chuck started on his podcast, Empire, I'm not sure he knew that what was happening when he started, but it nope. happened. It sounds like, Juan, you were very intentional. So when you sat down and you're like, hey, I'm going to do this, how did you get people involved? Uh, you mean co-organizers or... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Why not them too? Like, uh, how did you get the word out? How did you get people to help you? How did you get people to give talks? How did you? How did you get people involved? So, Aaron, that that's also a great question because I believe that's also a great challenge every community organizer has out there. Yeah. Now, let's talk about members. How to get them involved, and particularly how to get them to give a talk which is sometimes very complicated. It's, it's very common to see in different meetups or communities to see the same organizers giving the same talks. And, and this is not necessarily bad, but we need to find ways in which to engage people more and, and help them, you know, help them get exposure, help them get to give a talk or write an article or, you know, participate. So the way we did it is that we tried to do some kind of interesting experiment in which we decided to give them a gift right after giving the talk. So we we will 
we would always encourage them to come to the stage and give a talk in exchange for some special gift. And these gifts could be something really silly, like a shirt or like a hat or maybe some stickers. But that seems to be enough incentive for some people to actually come and participate. But the second thing is that we realized that people were really scared of participating sometimes because they thought, well, they didn't know as much as they wanted to know. They have this imposter imposter syndrome. And and this can be very, you know, can damage your professional career a lot because it makes you, you know, hold off a lot and, and then not move forward. So what we did is that we started like encouraging them a lot and making sure they felt comfortable at all times. So from the very first time they, they submit a talk and they say like, okay, I want to talk about TypeScript, for example. So we say like, oh, that's great. This is a great topic. People are going to love it. Uh, we can help you out, prepare the presentation. Well, why do you work on the slides and then you send them over so we can help you out? And that's what we do. So they feel like they're joined by the co-organizers, helping them, supporting them at all times. And then once they have the presentation ready, we do some dry runs with them, maybe uh, remotely, virtually, or, or in physical space. And they feel like, like they're doing great. Like they are really great speakers. Like they're going to really crush it. That it's going to be super fun. And then finally, when they're in stage and they're giving their talk, we're constantly helping them out. So sometimes, I'm pretty sure you've seen this, there is someone in the audience coming up with a very tough question. Sometimes it's not a, it's not a question, it's a comment, right? And sometimes it can really make your, your a speaker feel bad because they don't know the answer. They, they, they just feel like, like baffled. So what we do is that we stand up and we say like, we try to answer the question when the speaker doesn't know it. We try to get involved. We try to make a debate, make it, make it more dynamic instead of just leaving the speaker in the stage and just then, you know, figure out by yourself. No, it's not like that. We, we actually try to get involved a lot and make sure the speaker feel like supported at all times. And that actually helps out, make people feel like, you know, involved and get them to participate a lot. So yeah, that will be. So all that stuff you do at the conference and the meetup, or you just do it at the conference or? No, we, we do it at the meetup. We do it okay. at the meetup. The conference is like three times that. Okay. The conference got to be great, right? Of course, our conference is a small conference. It's like, you know, 300 people. So it's manageable. And the conference is a whole different thing. But but we, we do it at, at the meetup and the conference. And that helps people, you know, get really into it. Yeah. I think 300 is a solid conference, in my opinion. I mean, I've I've done more than one conference, and one of them was successful, and the other one, 300 people is a lot. So I think 300 is a a solid solid (laughs) conference, yeah. Well, the other thing is, is a lot of people compare it to the NG Comp or the Fluent Comp or React Comp or whatever, you know, where they have 500, 600 people, and they sell out in about six seconds. And they're thinking, that's a conference. And the reality is, is that I've gone to local conferences that were 150 people. And it turns out that, you know, the experience was real nice. Framework Summit was that way. It was small. But at the same time, I mean, I got to see everybody. It was really nice. I got to talk to people that I never would have had the chance to because it it was kind of an intimate, you know, small setting. And I ran into the same people a couple of times and then finally got to talk to them. And so... 
conference experience, community experience. I mean, they're different kinds and they all have their strengths. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of these massive conferences. Like I hear about all the time, especially some of my colleagues of, oh my gosh, Amazon reInvent, 25,000 people, Salesforce, you know, 50,000 or more people, TechEd, 28,000 people. Great. But like when you go to these things, I've been to some of them, you can't have conversations with 50,000 people. Yeah. Honestly, when you go on the vendor floor, these big exhibition floors, they become just this big, long cavern of things and it's loud, it's dark, you can't talk to people. And honestly, the number one reason I go to conferences is to talk and listen to them. I like to hear people's stories and the problems they're trying to solve. And these 100 to, I'd say the sweet spot to me is somewhere between 300 and 1500 people to conference. But even ones that are under that a little bit, like I went to NG Vikings last year and I think it was uh, 200 people, maybe I'm wrong, but I had some of the best conversations I had all year at that conference. I enjoy the variety, to be honest. I've never, I've been to Google I.O., which is one of those, you know, thousands and thousands of people things. And I, I actually enjoy those sometimes. And then the smallest conference I ever went to was was crazy enjoyable. It was NG Cruise. And I mean, there was like 100 people, maybe. I mean, Tracy Lee, she'll have to tell you, I don't know exactly how many people there were, but I didn't know everyone there when I got there. But by the time I left, I knew all the attendees. We'd all talked, we'd all, we'd all hung out together. And so, and I really, I like, I like them all. It doesn't really matter the size, as long as you're there to, to meet people and to learn. It's conferences are great. I will say, John, NG Vikings always looks like an awesome conference though, right? Yeah. I went there last year for the first time and it was so awesome. I mean, just the quality of people that were there and the conversation, the way it was run, and not to mention others aren't great. Like Angular Connect is great and NGConf is great. There's yeah. so many good ones, but yeah. it's I highly recommend NG, NG Vikings is a great one to go to. Yeah. Today, I got an email this morning. Someone in New Zealand wants to start an Angular conference. Oh, yeah. I love I New Zealand. Like, like, Will you help? I'm like, <laughs> Did you see it as a conference in Antarctica? What? What? Yes. Really? I think it's Antarcticonf or something like that. I'll, I'll find it. I just heard about it this week. What kind of conference? Does I will tell you in a moment. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. I saw this. And the reason for having the conference, they're like very blunt. They're like, most of us have spoken on every continent in the world. So uh, honestly, we wanted to check this off our list and our bucket list of going to Antarctica. <laughs> so nice. Um, it sounds amazing, though. Can you imagine how beautiful it must be there? Is it Antarctic JavaScript? Uh, I will find it. No. Sorry, I mean, I didn't mean to divert the conversation. Sorry, but just made me think of that. Yeah, but we're all going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go to Antarctica. So a lot of people have said to me, hey, I want to be more involved in a community. And I don't know how to. Sometimes I feel weird telling them, hey, this is what I did. Because I know that everyone is in the position to do, you know, what we did. And then also... You know, just the world being what it is, certain people are afforded different opportunities for X reasons. And so I feel weird sometimes giving advice, but I just, I would speak on whatever they asked me to speak on. That was, that was kind of how I started getting involved. There was a Google developer group here in Utah. It's still here. And, you know, I'd go and at the end of the, at the, at the end of the meetup, someone would say, Hey, who wants to present on, you know, Chrome frame or... I'm trying to think some of the first presentations I did. 
Chromecast app development or something like that. And, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give a presentation on it. I didn't know anything about either of those technologies or, or any of the, the dozens of presentations I gave at that group. And, and I just went home and threw together a 30 minute presentation of things I'd learned and a demo with a repo that people could walk through. And, and that was really kind of how I got involved was starting to share the teachings and show people, you know, how to get into some of the Google technologies. And, and I think that's a good recipe. I think, I think a lot of people probably got it that way. That's a question I get a lot when people are like, Hey, I want, I want to be more involved in the community. Maybe they don't want to be the community organizer. Like not everyone's as charismatic as, as Juan, but, but they do want to get involved. Right. And so I think just speaking at meetups or offering to give a talk about anything, regardless of whether you already know how to do it or not, I think that's a good way to start to get involved. Even just going to meetups. Yeah. As you said, I think it's a great thing to do just to get to know people. Certainly. And and maybe one of the ways we, we try to do it at some time is that maybe get people to participate, not just by giving talks, because, you know, at the end of the day, not everyone is a, as outgoing or has the skills to do it or simply doesn't feel comfortable at all being in front of an audience. So to these people, I also suggest uh, write an article because that, that also helps you, you know, develop some professional skills and you can get the reach of a lot of people. So that also helps. Yep. Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. So Chuck, I, I'm interested to hear about your community, bro. I, I mean, you, I mean, you've built like a conglomerate of communities. I mean, you can't, you can't go to a conference without most of the people there knowing who you are, you know? The, you, you'd be surprised, actually. I, I definitely can't. I generally, anyway, can't go to a development conference that's focused around JavaScript or Ruby or Angular without some people knowing who I am. Yeah. And, and that's always fun, right? Just having the opportunity to talk to people who listen to and appreciate uh, the work that, that I've done and that my co-hosts have all done on the various shows. That's a ton of fun. And, and I really kind of thrive on the interaction with people as, as much as I'm introverted. And at the end of the day, I go to my hotel room and crash hard. I, I just love hearing from people, talking to people, getting ideas from people. There, there are just so many awesome opportunities to, to learn from other folks. So I, I really enjoy that. Um, one thing that I recently did is I actually set up a Discord channel or server, I think is the proper term for it, uh, yeah. for devchat.tv. Uh, I invited the hosts a couple of weeks ago. And then in the onboarding email, when people join the mailing list, it invites them to join the Discord uh, channel. And so we probably have, looks like we have almost 100 people in there, including host guests and, and my production team. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's just today. The email went out this morning. And it's been really fun to just jump in there, get in the general channel and kind of go, hey, you know, where's everybody at? What do you do? And, and what do you listen to? And 
yeah, I just, you know, I can't say enough good things about it. But yeah, so people are excited to connect. Sometimes people connect over the, you know, hey, I listened to the show too. Oh, did you like this episode? Yeah, that was one of my favorites, you know, and, and that helps. The other thing, though, is that it seems like about one in three conferences where I talk to somebody that listens to the show, uh, they'll come up and they'll actually tell me where the show's helped them get a better job or get their first programming job. I had one guy in San Francisco, he came up and he, he was almost in tears because he was basically saying, I was working, you know, I was getting paid $20,000 a year to do construction and I'm getting paid $60,000 a year to, you know, to do development. And uh, more than half of my interview questions were things I answered with things that I learned on JavaScript Jabber. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff, you know, and he's, he's telling us how he got his daughter out of a kind of a rough school in that area. And, you know, that they're living kind of a better life. And that that's really, really uh, empowering to me. And so for me, it's just, I, I love talking to people and figuring out, okay, how can I empower you? And then, to, and then having them talk to me about how they want to give something back, how they want to help or inspire or be involved in the community in some way. And it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. I, I think the community is a little different though than a lot of other communities in the sense that most of what they're hearing from me and from you all as hosts it's all one way, right? They can't talk back while we're talking to them. So they've got to find some other avenue to do that. And, you know, so that's if I make it to a conference or if one of the other hosts make it to a conference or, you know, that's why I set up the Discord channel. Um, I tried setting up forums before, but it just didn't work the same way. And so, yeah, that that's that's kind of how I think about the community. It's just there are all these awesome people that that take what we're putting out there make their lives better and then come back and, you know, and kind of give back to us either by sharing their story or by doing other things. That's awesome. I certainly benefited from the JavaScript jabber back when I was just, you know, getting into JavaScript. So I really appreciate the work you've done in the community myself. So John, what about, what about you, man? Let's talk about your community. Oh, my community. I don't know. I, I, I tend to go to a lot of different places. I've been around the block here, been doing this for 20 something years now. And the thing that's most common to me is that, I know what you call it, but I, I tend to get into one technology, then bounce to another one, then bounce to another one. Just as things evolve and change. And where that relates to community for me is I've had the, the blessing to be involved with lots of different communities over the years, uh, whether it was .NET or Silverlight JavaScript community actually back in the early 2000s. Uh, I did a lot of JavaScript back then. Uh, then left it running away as fast as I could when it was just apparently <coughs> was an abysmal mess to try to write JavaScript that worked in Netscape and you know all these different platforms. This is prior to jQuery, years before jQuery. And then getting back into this, I was a SQL DBA. And the one thing that's funny is all these different communities, they all form around one common thing I found, and that's some kind of a meetup. And I don't necessarily mean the meetups like meetups.com, but that's like usually like the first step I see in most of these communities is people are like looking for other people who are like them, who have similar interests, whatever yeah. that technology may be, and they just want to go like meet other people. Maybe they want to speak. Maybe they want to just grab a beer. Maybe they want to write an article. It, it doesn't really matter what you want to do. But when once you start meeting people who are like you in these communities, I find that that's when the ideas start forming. And sometimes it alters your career. It may not just be a job you're getting, but it may just say, you know what? I learned about a new technology or a way of approaching something here that really sent me in another direction. 
So to me, that's, that's the greatest thing about community is you don't necessarily know exactly what you're going to get out of it, but some days you learn something so amazing, it changes things for you forever. And to me, that's been the biggest blessing about all communities I've been involved in is not just seeing it from me, but seeing it from other people who have, have, have had their lives changed based upon it. John, and, and I'm going to add up to that. Uh, one of the things that happened to me is that, well, I got to the city I live in like two years ago. I used to live in another city. And through the communities, I did not only boosted my professional career, but also my personal career because I met a lot of friends in the communities. Today, the people I spend the most time with, you know, hanging out, maybe drinking a beer or playing pool, is people I met in the communities. And they're my, my closest friends in this new city. So it's also, it's not just professional, but also personal, right? Yeah, very much so. Some of my best friends I've met, I call them Twitter friends sometimes, but some of the best friends I have, I met through Twitter or for other social media or through meetups or, you know, it's great. Like Dan Wallin is one of my best friends on this earth. And we met through conferences. You just meet these great people. Yeah. That resonated hard with me just in the Angular community. How many people, how many like really good friends I've met. I've been a part of a handful of communities, but two really strong ones. One is like the Google developer slash GDE community. And then the other one is the Angular community. And man, everywhere you go, like people that I'm like, I really want to hang out with this person, like more than just at this conference. Like it makes me sad on a certain level that I'm, I'm, we're just conference buddies. I'm happy that we're conference buddies, but um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah, I hear you. But I really, really would love to be closer to some of these people. Like I just, I was in Poland a few weeks ago and I meet a couple of guys named Mike, Mike Ladke and Mike Bromley. And I mean, I'm just blown away at how cool and down to earth these fellows are. It was it, yeah, it's just so much fun. And and every conference you go to, there's people like that. There's there's like these these little pieces of gold running on every conference. And they're, they're, these friendships really, really matter to me. Like they, 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 they're what make the conference worth it for me. You know, I'll tell you for the listeners listening out there, uh, if you haven't been to a Angular conference, Find your way to one. And that may just be at a local meetup for an Angular meetup, mm -hmm. uh, maybe at a code camp, and maybe at one of the, the larger ones, the NG comps, the NG Poland, NG Vikings, NG whatevers, right? But find your way to one of these because I think you'll find that it's so much more than just the technology. We can learn the technology on YouTube and on Google all day. But yeah. the relationships you build and the, and the connections you make, it's not just about meeting friends. Even if you're introverted, it doesn't matter. I've, I've seen so many people benefit so greatly by just going to conferences and getting involved. And if you do go to conferences, one big tip that I like to tell people is, you know how sometimes Aaron or Juan, you'll be at a conference and there's a group of like maybe three or four of you in a circle talking. If you see people walking around you kind of looking like they want to talk, you know, open the circle up, actually stop the conversation, open the circle up, say, hey, why don't Joe, Frank, Sally, Mary, if you don't know the person's name, say, hey, you come on over for a second and, and join this. What do you think about this topic? Because a lot of times people are, are, you know, they won't do that on their own, or maybe they don't feel like they're intruding or, you know, trying to be too polite. I just find that's a great way to bring more people into the circle and make it a better experience for other people too. Yeah. I, I tell people to do the same. And, and one time, I think this was the second year of NGConf, I was standing in the lobby of the hotel and I was there with a handful of the, the speakers and a handful of the people from the Angular team. And we were going to go to, to dinner. And, and I looked to my side 
and there was there was a person standing there who I didn't know. They looked like kind of what John's saying, like maybe I needed to include that person. And so I I, I just kind of leaned and said, Hey, come hang out. Like we're going to dinner. You want to go? And it's Bonnie. It's Bonnie Brennan. And um she's like, ah, I just got here. I got to take my bag. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We're you know, we'll be here for a few more minutes. So Bonnie runs up, she comes back down. She doesn't know who I'm with though. Like she she sees their the people, she doesn't recognize them. Like she doesn't know, hey, this is the Angular team and the speakers. So we get to dinner and she starts asking, Hey, who are you people? Like, and she finds out quickly that she's there with Shai Resnick and you know the Angular team. And she just immediately is like, oh like she feels like she's in neck deep, right? And she claims that she's an introvert which I don't think that any one of us that know her will agree. But it was so fun watching her have that first NGConf experience and, um, and really turning into the fantastic community leader that she is, I think, today. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And so, yeah, I always include people. Like, if you look to your right and there's someone just standing there and you make this, you know, I don't know you eye contact, like, invite them over, like John said, and just say, hey, we're talking about whatevs. You want to come come be part of the conversation? Uh, one of the things, Aaron, that uh, I noticed um, during the, um, I guess it was the GDE Summit or something related, it was a tweet by Martin Split. It was very related to this. And he, he was posting a picture of himself, like with thumbs up, smiling quickly. And then he says, like, if you're in this conference and you don't know anyone or you're just too you know, introverted to introduce to new people, come by the, you know, whatever space and say hi to me. I'll be your buddy during the whole conference. I, I thought that tweet was wonderful. That was amazing. So I decided to do the same thing. And and I did it on the Cromded Summit. And well, I wasn't expecting anything. I know people can be introverted and, and tweets like this one, people can misinterpret them, inter misunderstand it. But uh, what happened is that someone actually wrote me and said like, hey, it will be super nice to meet you. Why don't we meet at the lunchtime in this place? And we actually met. And this person seems like he really valued the, the, the tweet. It really helped her because I, I got to introduce her to a lot more people. And it really helped her out. So, so certainly you, you have two choices or two ways to do it so far. You can go ahead and do it on like in the physical space and see if you see someone, just invite them to your group. But you can also do it in the, in the Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. Uh, people will actually appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. I'll give you guys another one that I like to hear is, uh, sorry, Chuck, it's something I really like when people do is uh, I meet a lot of people on Twitter and people are surprised sometimes when I, when they come and see me and they'll say hi to me at a conference and I'll say, oh yeah, I recognize you. You did X, Y, Z. Like, how do you know that? Because you look just like your Twitter avatar. So <laughs> like, I don't always remember everybody's names. I'm not great with that. But like, if I see your face on Twitter all the time and then I see you at a conference, I can make a connection. So having your Twitter avatar or whatever your social media uh, platform is and actually showing a picture of yourself, uh, sometimes that's super helpful for just breaking the ice too. My Twitter handles a picture of a dwarf. So you're saying I should change that or? Well, I thought that was actually you. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. You just, you just no, you're good. that softball up for me. Yeah, softball. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. You know, Aaron, son, son of Gimli, son of Gloin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways. I will say this. I'm going to, I think we're getting close to the end and I don't want to get to the end of this podcast without saying this next point. And that is, uh, the Angular community is a bit different, and I've talked to people from some other JavaScript communities and and some of them that were in Angular and went to other communities, and they said, you know, one thing that I that this other community doesn't have is the focus on the community and just, like, the goodness. And I got to be honest, I think that at the top of this community is the Angular team, Igor, Steven, and Rob, and people from the past like Jules and Naomi and just the Angular team themselves, they they really care about the community. And and I'm I'm not just saying that because like I think it based off of Twitter or it appears from the outside in that they care. Like the Angular team, firsthand knowledge behind the scenes like info here is they really, really, really care about the community and that that everyone feels welcome and that everyone is comfortable and learning and getting what they need to continue to progress. And, and their, their logo, uh, their, their motto of you can sit with us. It's so silly how simple that is, but how perfectly it encapsulates their attitude and um, their kind of, it's, it's, it really is, it is their mantra of how they approach the community and, and so I, I'm just going to shout out to the Angular team uh, and their leadership, Brad, as well. You know, Mishko and the other leaders on the team are really, really good at at community. And that's that's just, that's my observation. And I think they're fantastic at it. And I think that, that the entire Angular community has benefited from not just the framework that they build, but the community that they help build as well. So. Totally agree. I think it, it represents their values at some, somehow, right? It's like you can see it with us. It's a perfect example of having um, values of you know collaboration, cooperation, or community ingrained in their you know decision making in in their branding. And I completely agree with you, Aaron. It's like it's like a great job they're doing, and totally appreciate that. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, before we wrap up, I know that we're under a time crunch, or at least uh, some of us are, but uh, Juan, it sounded like you had some ideas around where communities could be or should be heading. Is, is there a way to figure that out? And, and what thoughts do you have as far as where communities should be going to take care of the people that belong to them in the future? Sure. It's just a quick take uh, I can give you. And one of the things that we noticed when we were running these meetups over and over again, like every month, one day we asked ourselves, like, okay, what are we going to do next year? Like, are we going to keep just running meetups? Is that what the members of our community are looking forward to? Or, or, or do they need something else? So certainly one of the things I think every community organizer should be looking forward to is how the needs of their members are being shaped? Are they, are they changing? Well, what are their needs in today? Or in what are their needs tomorrow? We noticed that and we realized that the meetups per se weren't enough for our members. So we decided to change the format. 
For example, for Angular Medellin, as to 2019, we won't have regular meetups anymore. We realize that meetups are a great way to, you know, get up to date with the latest things. But those lightning talks or 20-minute talks aren't enough for our members. So what we decided to do is to create something we have called the Mega Meetup. It's a, a four-hour meetup in which at the beginning we have some lightning talks to keep people up to date. But then after that, we have a mega or a massive training for all the 80, 90, or 100 people that join us. We are expecting to have volunteers helping us out. We're going to have a repository, the whole tutorial, so people can do it in that place and get actual training. So the summary is that if you're a community organizer and you want to take your community to the next level, think first of the needs of your members and then plan accordingly. That's what we did and that's what we were changing our format. That's certainly something that we believe will pay off in the, in the near future. Awesome. I love the idea. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. I know John had to take off. Aaron, do you have some picks for us? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. I got, I got some picks. So first pick, this is a little bit recycled. I picked this on JavaScript Jabber, but it was fantastic. So I'm picking it again. When I was in London, I took my daughters to London with me. And um, we went, we got lucky. We got tickets to the Harry Potter play, The Cursed Child over in, in London. And I'm going to be honest, it was a good play. It was a great story. There was an, one of the characters, if, you, if you're not familiar, I'm not going to ruin this for anyone. There's a character named Scorpius, and the actor who did this role was absolutely fantastic. My daughters and I were blown away with this actor. So I'm going to pick the Harry Potter play. That's my, first, that's my first pick. Next pick, there's a talk from, from Angular Connect. It's by Grant Timmerman. He works at Google. He's on the cloud team and, or he's on the, I think it's on cloud somehow. It's on, he works on Google app script though. And um, he gave a talk about, you know, building an angular app inside of your Google spreadsheet. And it was fantastic. So I'm going to pick that talk by him. I was able to kind of dissect some of the stuff that he was doing and, and recreate that. And we're going to be using it for the ng-comp talk selection. And then I have my last pick. It's two picks in one. I'm going to throw out some CFPs in the Angular community because I want our listeners to be submitting to these. The first CFP 
is for NG Vikings. They just opened up their CFP. It's a fantastic conference. You, you'd be, you'd do well to get your name on that speaking roster. And so it's out there, ng, ngvikings.org, head over there and you can submit the CFP. And then ngconf also has the CFP open right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out there as well to go to ngconf, ng-conf.org and jump on the, uh, the CFP. So, yeah. And if anyone submitting to any conference once has any questions and you want help on your ideas, feel free to ping me on Twitter, Aaron at Aaron Frost. And, and I'll try and help with your ideas. If you're just worried about trying to polish it up and, and get it submitted, reach out to me. I'll help out. So those are my picks. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here with a few picks and I'm, man, I should figure out how to make these work with some of the front end frameworks. Cause I know that it, the people do it, but, uh, I've been playing with a system called Elevendy. It's a static site generator. It runs on Node. So, you you know, you run your little command, it generates HTML. And then I've just been using GitHub and Netlify to get it deployed. And anyway, it's been awesome so far. And yeah, I'm playing with it for a little bit of a stealth project, I guess, for, for lack of a better thing. And, uh, or lack of a better way to put it. But yeah, you'll probably, if you listen to the shows, see it eventually. In fact, I should just come out and say it because it's not a big secret. But uh, I'm I'm looking at actually converting devchat.tv off of WordPress onto a static site because we only update it once a week per show-ish. So anyway, um, I've got a couple things i got to figure out with that. But for the most part, it, it seems to work pretty well, and I'm pretty happy with it. The other thing is, is it gives me a lot more fine-grained control than I've... I have to find a plug-in and fiddle with crap on WordPress to make it work. And... I don't love doing that. So anyway, I, I've been enjoying that. I'm also going to pick Netlify because it's awesome and it's super easy to get set up and running with it. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been playing with lately. Juan, what are your picks? I have two small picks. First one is Guess.js. You probably hear of it already, but I think it's a great library. It's it's something Minka was um, from the Angular car team was working a lot on lately. And it's pretty much the capacity to do predictive prefetching for modules when you're loading your application so that you take advantage of matching learning techniques in order to determine which modules to load after. And, and then your applications become, like the performance of your application uh, becomes much better. I think this is super nice because it's probably one of the first times I've seen machine learning gets involved in the process of, you know, performance, and I think it's pretty cool. There's a lot, like a lot of work coming up, but it will be interesting to take a look at. And my second pick is related to call for paper as well. So we organized Senji Colombia, and Colombia is happening as well. We didn't have a specific date yet, but it's probably going to be on September. Call for papers are kind of coming up soon. Nonetheless, we want to let you know that we're thinking of doing some kind of, how do you call it, disruptive way of doing a call for papers. And in this case, we're interested in doing it completely transparent. So the results of all the criteria and how we select the people and who selects them and the whole thing, we're looking forward to do it completely transparent. So everyone that applies to NG Columbia by 2019 will certainly know how what was their score, what they need to improve, and so on and so forth. So that's probably that's going to happen in, in January 2019. Those are my picks. 
yeah, having submitted talks to conferences for a while, and I, I get accepted probably half the time that I submit, it's it's really hard to know exactly why you didn't get picked. So I really love that idea. Yeah, All right. Uh, Juan, if people want to find you online, where are you online? So they can find me on Twitter. My my handle is at JD Juan. JD Juan. That's it. I, I have my DMs open, so you can just ping me, uh, ask me anything. I I try to help as many people as I can, so feel free to just ping me there. I'll be uh, happy to help you out. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thank you both for coming, and we uh, will catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.